You're listening to the State of Love and Trust, a Pearl Jam podcast. Follow the show on social media and remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. Now, here's Jason and Paul. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The State of Love and Trust. It's a Pearl Jam podcast, and I'm one of your two hosts, Jason Carapesi, and alongside me, as always, is... All Gilleary. It is All Hallows Eve, my friend, and I'm joining you today with a fabulous pumpkin ale from Elysian Fields. Aren't you excited? Ooh, you finally grabbed it. Which Oh, that's the Night Owl. That's Excellent. the Night Owl. Yeah. They're pumpkin all ale. delicious. The great Imperial Pumpkin Ale, the, uh, the coffee stout. Uh, I'm looking forward to that stout. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, there's some good ones in there. I'm yeah. telling you, once you go down this box set, you, you're never coming back, bud. This will be your 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 uh, fall Anderson Valley winter solstice. You know they have Anderson Valley does have a pumpkin ale. Do they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen. I'm on the newsletter. I get the newsletter, and <laughs> um, I have not, I haven't found it anywhere. And I haven't decided to venture out too far, but we are getting close to solstice season. So, yeah, my my wife, God bless her, she she went out to um, grab me a pumpkin ale. I was carving pumpkins with the kids, and I said, "Hey, I wish I had like you know those pumpkin ales because we ran out." She goes, "Oh, I'll go pick some up." She goes, "They don't have them." She comes back with a, a couple of like big bottles from Stone Brewery. Nice, and you know, on the bottle it says, you know, frightfully tasty and then on the back side it says enjoy by 10 to 31 it's literally just their standard hazy ipa just dressed up in a bottle oh, that says enjoy come on yeah, so I, I felt badly for her come on me. stone <laughs> it was stone. the thought that counts though no, uh, no I'm, I'm i'm owing to uh stone brewing company not your wife your wife did a hell of a job yeah exactly that's, that's so a, that's, that's why you see me thing. drinking this this uh glass of red wine which uh, i suppose is an ample substitute for blood i don't know i was just gonna say go. it's very ghoulish of you yeah there you go uh do you guys out there celebrate halloween i don't know where that where it, that that holiday is it a holiday i don't know where it stops well, and we, we get day of the dead huh? dia de los muertos oh, in right. some of the countries of that's our right. uh wonderful fan base you know speaking L- of listenership that, huh? i was i was at the grocery store today getting something that i needed for my for my dinner uh, it was the Mexican grocery store out here in California called Vallarta, lovely grocery store. And, um, they had an ofrenda in front of the, uh, Aww. self-checkout line. And there was, um, a, a woman that I, I didn't recognize. And then it was that famous, um, Mexican American, or I guess Mexican actor that, uh, Jaime Camille did a convincing portrayal of this year. Oh my God. What was this guy's name? Oh my God, you guys are yelling at me. Anybody who is Mexican or Mexican-American is yelling at me right now. You guys know what I'm talking about. And the third person, Kobe. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Los Angeles. Yeah. All right. There you go. Um, So happy Halloween to anybody out there who celebrates. For all of you out out there who don't, uh, it's October 31st, 2023, the year of our Lord. And we're drinking. We're gonna we're gonna talk about some stuff today. That's um, well, we're gonna have a what if because I haven't mm-hmm. had one of those in a while, Paul. And yeah. um, we're gonna discuss a song in our lyric of the week segment. That's back again, uh, but that song hasn't been played live before. So how Correct. are we gonna do? Oh well, we'll we'll, we'll see. And then uh, our main segment tonight is uh, another playlist, and I'll I'll explain in a minute. Um, the theme of that bad boy. But Paul, first thing I want to do is I was alerted today of some news of some, well, it's not news per se. It's, it's rumors, rumors of possibly the first dates of 2024 circulating, percolating out there in the Pearl Pier, Pier, Jam, Pearl Jam universe. And they are of the down under variety. Oh my word! Mm-hmm. Uh, where uh, our good friends in Melbourne? Oh God, I hate you! Already. I know. Blast <laughs> from the past. Our good friends in Melbourne. Uh, Melbourne is going to love to have Pearl Jam back, and I, I sincerely hope that these rumors are indeed true. Because what better way to kick off 2024 than a trip to that part of the globe? Those well, fans deserve it. At, at, if the rumors are right, it'll actually close 2024. <laughs> mm. <laughs> 
because these dates that I'm reading here, uh, sources um, are anonymous because they are not at liberty to divulge this information. November 8th and 10th in Auckland, New Zealand. November 13th in Gold Coast, Australia. November 16th and 18th in Sydney. And November 21st and 23rd in Melbourne. Um, yeah, that would be something else because the the boys haven't played that part of the world uh, since 2014. And that, those were all big day out festival dates. Yeah. They haven't played those two countries proper Pearl Jam style since 2009. Right. Backspacer tour. Come on, man. Yeah. It's long overdue. So uh, definitely hoping that these these are, are legit, legit rumors and uh, time will tell. But what a tour that would be. Obviously, it would have to correspond with the release of a new album. Oh, oh you better oh, believe it, baby. Yeah. yeah? Well, if um, if the Twinkle and Stones voice, where he said, "I don't know, I hope so," <laughs> is any is any indication we will have a a lead single out by the end of the year? Yeah, and, and then, that was told directly to Jason Carapesi of the State of Love and Trust podcast. Let it be known. Let it be known. Well, yeah, I, I'm very hopeful and excited for our friends in Australia and New Zealand because yeah, they have not had this band come down there and play for them to them in a long, long time. They deserve it. They shouldn't have to travel hours upon hours to see the band. And uh, I would say right behind them are our friends in South America. It's been a little while for them as well. I think 2015 was the last time they got Pearl Jam. Well, actually I should say, how about our friends in, in Asia, Japan 03 last time. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. You know, but I'm sure there'll be American dates and European dates because that's the easiest thing for them to do. But I'm just I'm excited for the prospect that these rumors are out there and they seem to be sort of strong from where they're coming. Uh, from whence they're coming? Is that how you is that their correct yeah, usage? From whence. I never understood that word whence. <laughs> well, some some words have kind of departed the lexicon, huh? That's an appropriate Ooh, word for the occasion. They that's another good word, the lexicon. lexicon. Vernacular. <clears throat> Yeah, like of all our prepositions, you know the one that is used least of all these days? Ought. Like we ought to get on to this, you know, Pearl Jam content instead of whistling around here. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, enough of that. Here we go. So the playlist. So this week, here's here's where my head's at. Um, For this playlist, I had my grandmother on my mind. Now, most, if not all of you would not know that my maternal grandmother uh, passed away a few months ago back in the summer. Now, she was 87 and had been dealing with some sort of uh, a kind of deteriorating deteriorating mind of uh, something over the last half dozen or so years. It wasn't quite dementia. It wasn't quite Alzheimer's. Not exactly sure what it was. Anyways, um, she passed on in the end of June. She was my last grandparent, though, so it's a bit weird to not have one of those at all anymore. So anyway, uh, my family all convened in Connecticut, where she lived, and I grew up over the weekend to have like a um, like a celebration of life type of luncheon. So you have you know good stories, good food, a slideshow of classic photos, you know some of her favorite music, kind of like uh, an Irish wake, but with less swearing, and. so, you know, that got me thinking about a playlist and a playlist as a celebration of one's life or a celebration of um, the memory of someone that was close to you, that that sort of thing, honoring a person who's passed on. And I think this is the most open playlist we've done because of how you can go about it. Like it's, it's really unique and personal to how you want to honor somebody and what that person means to you. And by the way, uh, the fact that today, as this episode is released, is Halloween with all the its overtones of ghoulishness and death. It's not lost on me. Uh, the irony is thick, and I am bathing in it with laughter because <laughs> what else can you do? And I didn't plan it this way, but it just kind of came to me, and it just so happened that my my grandmother's birthday would have been on on Saturday. So that's why that celebration of life was then, yada, yada, yada. So here we are. So I said to Paul, how about we do something around you know, uh, almost like a, a, a eulogy of sorts, an in loving memory 
playlist. And obviously it could be about somebody that was close to you. It could be more broad. It can be whatever the hell you want it to be. It's very open. Um, so first, before we kind of dive into it, Paul, I want to know, you know, what did you think about this process? Um, surprisingly, I, I actually thought there was going to be just an inordinate amount of tracks in the Pearl Jam catalog that tackled this. There weren't as many as I thought. And, and I found that most of them have shown up towards the back half of the catalog, back third, mm. I might even say. And I find that interesting because it would seem to be indicative of the reflection that comes with age and the, um, the poignancy that death has to us as we get closer to and more acquainted with our own mortality. So it's not surprising to me that as the guys get older in age and have experienced loss more, you know, in, in their uh, circle of friends and family and whatnot, that those kinds of ideas and themes might be more pervasive in the music. So that I thought was interesting um, just because the very first time that we see this being explored happens very early in the Pearl Jam catalog. And I, I thought that uh, it was interesting to me that there seems to be kind of a, a significant gap before it is explored with the depth and poignancy that it will be later on. Mm. All right. Well, um, I, I give the choice to you. Would you like to go first or to pass the baton sure. back to me? No, no, no. We're, um, you know, I, I'm going to, uh, the easiest place for me to start with a playlist like this is with a song that I think deals with it head on. And that song is sad. Um, this song didn't sadly make it onto, <laughs> pun intended, make it onto the uh, the binaural album. It, it, I maintain that it should have, but <laughs> you know, it, it is a very, very um, insightful reflection on loss and the hurt that comes with being able to to move on from that loss. And we get these very, very touching lyrics about the subject who, who's stuck in this grief, this this sadness. And all around him are these memories of this lost love that he no longer has and, and his inability to kind of cope with the pain that he's experiencing now. And you get this beautiful imagery, the, the photographs that are peeling, colors are turning to gray, and it's just all representative of, of how, how much this is fading away. And that, that's the true sadness of it is that, um, you know, you talked about the ofrenda, right? A lot of that is to preserve the memory of those mm. that we love so dearly long yeah. after they're gone. And I, I think the symbolism of that is beautiful because too often the memories we have are so fresh in the moment. And then as time passes, a lot of those memories do turn to gray. They do start to fade away to the point where, you know, maybe we have just fragments left in the same way we do of childhood. You know, I don't know. I mean, I look back at some of the relationships that had an indelible impact on me. It, you know, I'm not talking about relationships where I lost someone to death. I mean, relationships that just fell apart, you know, but in the moment it felt like the world was crumbling. Right. And you, you think about how, uh, all those moments and experiences you have with that person are, are never going to leave you. And you, you reflect back on it now. And, you know, I, sometimes I wonder if I can count on one or two hands, the very crystal clear memories I have, like, I, you know what I mean? Mm. So now, now yeah. here's the funny thing is they're still there though. Like I, I kept a journal one time of uh, a trip that I took with someone and I recently found it not too long ago. And I was going back and rereading the journal and it brought back a flood of memories that I had thought were gone, like just experiences that hmm. I no longer had in my head. So it just goes to show you that <clears throat> if you're able to leave a trail of crumbs for yourself, uh, you will remember a lot more than you think you will. So if, if there was ever a uh, motivation to journal, that would be it. But this song said that the, I believe the original title of this track was Letter to the Dead. So what better way to start off a playlist than sad? I like it. I like it. All right. Yeah. So uh, I am going to start, let's see here, do, 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 do. <clears throat> with the end. Let's begin with the end, pun intended. Uh, the end of life that brings us to this playlist. Whatever the reason the person has passed on, this song is meant to symbolize that acknowledgement from the loved one themselves. Even if they never tell you what's herein, it's the message and energy they're transmitting. 
they're the subject of the playlist, this playlist for me. And I thought that there should be, um, that they should be front and center. And not unlike the retrackings that I do, I liked having something that really stitched together and it's not a narrative, but it is a process. Let's, let's use the word process. So to start with the end of something with the song, the end allows us to continue. And so it'll make sense as we go along, but I'm going to start with the end and it's hauntingly beautiful ending. I thought that's a, that's a fantastic place to, to, to start. Well done. Where are you going I'm going to move into uh, the other side. Oh yeah, good um, choice. Which uh, you know, you, you you begin with a song like "Sad," uh, which I think tackles that feeling of just experiencing what se- seems to be just senseless loss, completely unjustifiable, and, and and therein lies the inability to cope. To a song like "Other Side," which you know, I, I thought about ending with this right because it's mm. like how do you go from there's no answer to suddenly kind of being able to imagine what it's like to be on that other side, right? You know, right. to be the person on that other side. But I thought these two worked well as a pair, um, you know, to just tackle the other side, so to speak, of, of that loss. And for that person, what it's like to be waiting and, um, you know, stuck in this place of, of, I don't want to call it purgatory, but stuck in this place and, and desiring answers and, and the same level of justification and, and the hope this pervasive hope that you know permeates whatever this temporal existence is and the desire to be reunited with with a loved one so i like that juxtaposition in essence and, and i thought those two things worked well together both sonically and thematically and so rather than bookend the play this with this i thought it'd be a fitting place to slot it in right here number two i like that one too uh, i like the combination of the two um I'm going to have a a similar idea across a couple of songs, well, a few songs. So um, instead of going one, two, I kind of, my first, second, and third are kind of, are are doing something similar. So from starting with the end, I'm going to go into arc. Oh, Maybe it's a little cheesy. Maybe it's not. I don't know. And I don't really care. Because if Ed thought it was respectful enough to honor the Ross Kill the Victims with Ark, then I think it's a nice way to transition from our subject to how we honor them. Um, this is a bridge of sorts. Maybe it's the bridge uh, transitioning from one plane to the next. You know, it's like however you want to take it. Um, I like this track as a way to move and connect us to the rest of the playlist and how we receive the death of someone close to us. So you don't know what my next song is yet, but you can see that this is the glue between the end, which is kind of like almost the prologue of the playlist to everything that comes after. So the end and then arc. Okay. I like that. I'm going to, I go arc as well, but almost as um, an intro to another song. So I have it I like leading it. into Love Boat Captain. Okay. Um, and so you're giving I, me two songs it, here. I'm giving you two. And, and okay. I liked the idea of, of Ark playing. And then like, you know, we have that, that important line, you know, lost nine friends a year ago today. Right. And I think it's important with a song like Ark, which just kind of captures the pure raw emotion of that experience followed by some manifestation of of uh, a conclusion from that like where does that put us mm. so in a playlist like this being able to transition into the pure emotion of it you know that the, the spectral part of it because we've ex- we, so far we've kind of explored it on two different planes like the, the, from the point of view of someone who has lost and the point of view of one who has been lost mm-hmm. and then now here we kind of get the, what the raw emotion of the space in between followed by um i guess some clarity and that's the idea that all you need is love now whether or not that that turns out to be true or not remains to be seen but i think that you know in a playlist like this having a third song that produces some some semblance of an answer i thought was important and i've always appreciated i'm not a huge fan of this song i will admit i, I don't find of it to be captain 
Yeah, I don't think it's particularly strong composition necessarily, uh, but I did like the partnership and collaboration with Eddie and Boom. And I like the metaphor of this boat. It makes me think of uh, Charon and, and, you know, uh, the coins on the eyes of the dead and, and the ferryman, you know, t- t- taking you on your way. And so this idea that, you know, this boat that c- c- kind of carries you through these dark and troubled times, this love boat captain, right? And that really it, it, it's love that completely changes the dynamic of which boat you're riding, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, I thought that was this idea, this affirmation that, love is is essentially the 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 true path towards um you know escaping this this period of darkness and just made sense here so that's my number three i like it well that's technically just number four i guess so let's see we both had i'm i'm a little uh jazz that we both used arc in this thing um did you think i was going to use it uh, I assume so, just because it was really, yeah. So, so I did not think you would use you would use it. Um, well, I mean, it's it was literally the most, I guess, visceral manifestation of of grief that we've had. You know what I mean? From, from a yeah, band I know, that, that almost literally like, almost broke up you know, right. at some point over this. It's like, but it's almost like too on the nose in a sense. But also on top of that, it's you know, why utilize a minute of a playlist that has a, a you know, a time limit, so to speak on yeah, it, I you know, <laughs> but uh, Hey, you know what? The playlist is a playlist and we're, we're creating our little processes here. Um, all right. So I did the end, I did arc. And so, so from arc, I'm going into release. So, Although this song is about Ed's father and yearning to know him and yearning to have had, you know, a true connection with him, I, I think anybody can apply it. And that's what I'm, I'm going to do here. Um, it's, you know, you mentioned the word visceral. I think this is a visceral right. reaction um, to someone being gone, to not ever being able to speak to them or embrace them, whether for the first time or for the first and last time, as it is in Ed's case. And I, I like immediately coming out of the end and arc with this before moving on to songs that are maybe a bit more reflective. You know, this song is that naked emotion, that I can't believe it thing. And I didn't want to do a, you know, seven stages of grief kind of thing, but I did want it to be a roller coaster over emotions because that's what we often go through. So this is that immediate stage of grief. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's a bit of shock. But this is that um, super emotive, cathartic um, initial expression um, after the end in arc. Um, and I can't think of a of a more cathartic song off the top of my head than maybe release. So there you go. So- solid choice there. So you are on song. You're on song five now. I guess five, yeah. So I, I'm gonna go immortality here. Um, All right. I think that you know this is largely assumed to be about Kurt Cobain's death, and in a playlist about death and dealing with death and in memoriam, this scene ap- apropos. And um, you know, Eddie said initially this it was not about Kurt, but it's hard to to think that that's not the Parallel case. He did trains. later admit. Parallel trains. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Parallel <laughs> trains is, is what he what he said. So um, I just think that it's an interesting perspective of of viewing death as a way out, as an escape. And uh, I mean, a song like Break or Fall kind of examines you know the validity of that. And Jeremy talks a little bit about that too. Mm, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but what I like about immortality is that it kind of captures the perspective of the subject in a way that is non-judgmental but in a way that also kind of at least through the music laments the passing mm-hmm. of life yeah and so i think it highlights the complexity of human nature in situations where you experience such despair that you believe that death is in some way um, a gateway to a better place as opposed to seeing life as the greatest possible gift and how it would be had the truest of tragedy would be to to not embrace and hold on to that for as long as you can. So I thought that was an interesting 
interesting take to include here. So at, at this point in time, you know, when you when you add all these songs together, it really becomes a collection of perspective on death so yeah. far. Um, not really weaving a narrative as much as just trying to frame a discussion from the points of view of many different vantage points. I'm already seeing that uh, as you as you said it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I think even though we're not done yet, I think we are approaching this concept in the same way, but from a different angle, how you perceive death and how it affects you and how you look at it affects how you'll move on. Yeah. And I'm, I'm looking at it a little bit more linearly and you're doing a little bit more of a three-dimensional take. Yeah. Um, and well, how many not- tracks do you have on the, on the, Total? Let's see here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven. Okay. We're about the same. And that includes that includes arc as its own thing. So um all right. So what did I say? The end arc release. From release, we go into light years. Yeah. um, There's a bit of there's a bit of denial in this one, uh, for considering that stage is a great thing that I mentioned. And there's also an acknowledgement of uh what they meant to us all. And I think it's it's both eulogy, but also confusion. Uh, we've had time to kind of sit with this news now, sort of thing. And uh, while it's very difficult to accept the new reality, there's also a recognition of what they meant to us, how they made us uh, better people. And those are the kinds of folks whose deaths hit harder when they're gone. Um, so I always looked at Light Years as this track that was... Um, it was kind of, you know, again, going back to the seven stages of grief thing, it was always like a, I don't understand. How could this happen? How could this happen? You you made, you, everybody around you was made better by you. How could you, how could you go? You know, if you're, if you're thinking about the subject in, in the end being taken by, let's say cancer or something like that, how, how could, how could cancer get you? You should have stuck around. You know, we get 90 years of, you know, asshole XYZ. You know, but but you, you're 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 a godsend. How are you? It's that idea. Um, at least that is how I've taken light years to be all these years, all these light years later. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with light years there at the middle of my pack. That's a good one. Uh, okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna move in here with my sixth track, I guess, if that's where I'm at. I'm gonna go comes then goes. Mm. Uh, I think this is a song that. It features some of the best lyrical writing, I think, in the entire catalog. Uh, Just some absolutely poetic writing on Eddie's part. And I think that the general assumption is that this song is about the loss of Chris Cornell. And and, uh, I think following up a song that is generally assumed to be about the loss of Kurt Cobain with what is mm. assumed to be the loss of Chris Cornell seems like a, a natural transition here. Um, but there's a depth and a maturity and um, far more of a, a poetic yet direct way of coping that we see in the lyrics of this composition versus kind of the very abstract nature of the kind of writing we saw in Immortality. Almost as though there was a conscious effort on Eddie's part to be evasive on purpose so as not to have the song become this eulogy, so to speak, and, and for it to forever be branded as such. I think mm-hmm. there was a desire on Eddie's part to to speak to that through music without necessarily having to name it in a way that, you know, would forever link it in that way. You know what I mean? Um, whereas, I, and I think to some degree that you see that happening with comes and goes. Um, so, you know, both times that happens, uh, which is different than, you know, the, the, the secret track at the end of Lost Dogs, which is very clearly about Lane Staley. You know right, what I mean? right, yeah. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Um, I suppose that could be the secret song on this playlist too, but Comes Then Goes just, I think, features uh, a wisdom that comes with, and, and a, a certain level of regret as well that comes with looking back at a, a, a friendship or, or a love that has been lost and the desire to to maybe do things a little bit differently, <clears throat> but also the, the peace that comes with knowing that, you know, that feeling of regret was always going to be inevitable no matter what. So inevitable is a great word. Yeah. Because all of this is inevitable. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, all right. So 
I left off with light years. I'm going to continue with comeback. Uh, you've got some anger here. You've got some depression. You've got some bargaining. For, again, coming back to that seven stages thing. This has like a few of those items in there, I think. And I think light years was a bit more subdued emotionally. And, and this song is not. This song feels closer to release in its emotional effusion. You know, by the end of comeback, we're pretty drained and we should be because ultimately with this expression and release as it were is an acceptance you know we've got this up and down between release and and light years and now comeback and there's this pleading of like shit you are gone i, I need you to come I, I can't i can't deal i can't i know that you are gone i recognize the fact of that but i just still can't grasp that I can't ever talk to you. I need you to come back. I need you to come back. There's that that un that un un inability to inability to to live with that person not being here, and that's just one of those rungs of the ladder that we all have to climb to move on. And I think, not to belabor the point, but the whole seven stages thing it's it's like a ladder. You have to kind of go through all of them to get to some sort of peace. And while there aren't, you know, nail on the head, obvious grief songs in the catalog that, that knock off all these things, I think between these last four songs, three songs, we've gotten a lot of them in a roller coaster kind of way. Um, and the way that comeback ends with the solo and the outro and Ed's voice and the vocal performance, and it really gets to where I think we need to be at this point in the process. That makes sense. It's not stages of grief, like you said, but there's, there is a process here in, in this playlist and kind of like where you're taking it. How many more you got? One or two? Well, I think in terms of TRT, probably one, but I, okay. I, I, I'll share three more with you after the fact. Oh, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> Without, you know, with like one or two lines of explanation, but okay. uh, we'll, we're going to end the playlist with release. And I say that because I mentioned that, um, you know, the very first time that we see this theme explored in Pearl Jam's music is, is at the very beginning of their career together. And it's a very personal song for Ed about the loss of his father, um, a father he never truly knew. And, um, you know, the songs leading up to this have been either distant, you know, where he's writing about death from the points of view of, of subjects that don't necessarily um, inhabit his own perspective um, or vice versa. <clears throat> to eventually becoming more and more personal with the subject. And I just find it hard to create a playlist like this than not feature what I think are the, the three most prolific songs in the catalog that do tackle this, which are Comes Then Goes, uh, Release, and Immortality based on the, the the subject matter. And for this particular song here, what I like about it is it's directly addressing the subject. Dear Dad, can you see me now? I am myself, like you somehow. I'll ride the wave where it takes me. I'll hold the pain. Release me. These are some profound lyrics from a very young singer. Mm -hmm. um, the idea that I'm going to continue on. Um, I'm having trouble processing this. My one takeaway is that you and I are alike somehow. I don't know how, but it's enough to give me some measure of peace. Um, but that measure of peace is not enough to sustain myself. I will hold the pain, meaning I'm not going to let it go because the pain helps me remember that I'm alive. The pain helps me remember that you meant something to me, <clears throat> but I need you to release me so I can move forward. <clears throat> and I thought that there's, there's something profound about acquiescing and surrendering, surrendering and capitulating to a higher power or, or, or something bigger than yourself, surrendering to, to a, a love that can no longer respond to you in ways that are tangible. And it's really only through the passing of time that that release truly does happen. And so I thought that uh, perhaps the most salient answer that can come out of this playlist comes from arguably the first song in the catalog that ever really truly tackles this. And despite all the wisdom and the permutations and the reflections that we've seen in the catalog since release, uh, I would argue that this song continues to be perhaps the best answer to some of those questions. Uh, because it isn't necessarily an answer as much as it is a framework for how to contextualize the feelings. Yeah. 
I, I I get that. I mean, I think there's a reason why they close not just musically, but why they would close thematically ten with this one. Um, and as you're explaining that, uh, I was also thinking about how it kind of makes me think about the song "Alive" a little bit differently now. Yeah. Holding on to the pain makes me feel something like, "Oh, I'm still alive." Like there's there's something there that I can't quite grasp right now with my brain, but. Um, at any rate, uh, I like where you've ended that that playlist. Um, so I guess I have two here <clears throat> before we get to your your bonus features. So um, out of comeback, I'm going to go with comes and goes. I'm going to slot in here, second to last. Uh, you mentioned eulogy. Mm-hmm. This is the ultimate quasi eulogy in the catalog for me. It's a uh, you said it, it's a gorgeous song and, and and the kind of thoughtful eloquent poetry that can only be written and sung after someone has truly felt everything. This this kind of articulation is made by someone who while still grieving has the most complete view of what the deceased has meant to their lives, to others lives as well. And there will always be questions. There will always be sadness. But at this point, we, the living, have made some peace with their absence. I like this song being here because it leads right into Long Road. Yeah. So, what's left? Well, it, it, it's it's natural when someone close to us dies to question our own mortality. You put immortality in there. How does one seek immortality? They escape from it. I think there's the other side of that is just diving headfirst in, 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 into the reality that life is this, is this road, is this, um, this thing we can't escape. And I think that's what Long Road offers. I think keeping their memory close to us, respecting that, but also respecting the circular nature of life. You know, our, our circles are simply like links in this never-ending chain of life, you know? And with time comes perspective. And ideally, this will help us live our own lives more fully. So if you if you bring it backwards, and I'm going to quickly kind of go through my, my songs here, and I'll ask you to do the same in a second, is uh, you've got the end, arc, release, light years, comeback, comes and goes, long road. There's a reason why I've got long road at the end. Um, because I think you need to, that, that's the, that's the coming through it part of it, right? If that's the, I've accepted this, I've gotten through my depression, I've gotten through my bargaining, I've gotten through my anger, I've gotten through my shock, I've gotten through my depression, I've gotten through my, um, <laughs> in all kinds of ways, or however strongly close to those stages you, you want to get within these songs, you've gone through the gamut of emotion and you're on the other side now where it's like, okay, well, this person is gone. They left this as their legacy. How am I going to learn from that and apply the lessons so that I don't live the rest of my life in vain? And I like there's a, there's a lesson here at the end. And, and you put Love Boat Captain in there. Love Boat Captain could be right here as well for me. Mm-hmm. It's just how do you, how do you apply your life? How do you go forwards? Right. And I, I would think that love is implied here. You just hit the nail on the head, which I love because I really do love Love Boat Captain. Um, but that's that's where I ended. That's where I uh, where, I, where I ended up. Solid choice. So what are the... Um... Well, the hardest cut for me was the end because I felt like in a playlist that is largely about perspectives on death, um, eliminating or not including, I should say, Eddie's, what seems to be his own personal and uh, subjective perspective uh, doesn't seem <laughs> appropriate. So if there was a secret song on this, it would be this one, you know, um, mostly because when you get this this ending here, no one hears before I disappear. Whisper in my ear, give me something to echo in my unknown future's ear. I just think it's some you know, before comes and goes. I thought it was some of the most profound expressions, amazing that you know Eddie had ever written. <laughs> yeah. And uh, to me, I think it, it's the one that I had the hardest time not including. But it would have meant you know the only other song I can imagine kicking off here would have been Love Boat Captain with Ark. And I just thought those two paired so nicely together that. It was hard. So if I could stretch or add a secret song, it would be the end. Uh, but the, the two that, that were very close were Army Reserve, which really talks mm, about yeah. the perspective of losing a child. 
um, even a, a, a grown child and uh, buckle up, which I think kind of captures oh, right. the, At the, other end of the, the sadness yeah. and um, the difficulty and challenges that come with working around death. And, and, you know, that, that being part of your life is, is trying to manage that. So I just think that, you know, co collectively all these songs work beautifully as an album on grief. And, and while we do limit our playlists, uh, I would encourage listeners to to include songs like uh, Buckle Up and Army Reserve and perhaps, uh, for me anyway, The End, and just kind of experience that as a whole and just kind of let the totality of these perspectives kind of immerse you in every possible angle that Pearl Jam has, has provided us thus far in the catalog. Um, but even as it stands, I feel like there's enough here to to leave you thinking. Absolutely. So again, what, what, what was your... Uh... Complete. So uh, I started off with sad and then I moved into the other side. And then we had the arc love boat, captain pairing followed by immortality and then release. And then I, uh, I had come, I'm sorry. Uh, comes then goes, I think is what I did. And then right. I ended with release. Correct, and yeah. uh, if, uh, if time were to permit, I would include the end. And if uh, time were not a factor, then I would include buckle up an army reserve to, to complete what I would say is the, the full spectrum of perspective. So Paul's Paul's uh, taking the rules and shoving them up uh, someone's <laughs> booty. Um, <laughs> so if you're playing at home, Paul ended at release and I ended with long road. I'm curious what you guys would do uh, with a playlist about um, dealing with the loss of a loved one. Again, like I said, at the very beginning, it's how you want to approach this. Do you want to go the really sad route? Do you want to go the Irish wake, Irish wake route and go all super celebratory of life kind of way? Do you want to find some medium? Do you want to find their perspective route that Paul did? Whatever route you want to go is going to be correct. The question is, what songs are you choosing and why? And that intrigues yeah. the shit out of me because we're all going to approach this from a different way. And I, I, I fucking love it. I eat it up for breakfast. So whatever you've got, I want to know. I want it in the comments. I want it in the email. I want it however you get to you, us. You could. You could leave it in your review when you rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform of choice. Feed that algorithm. Tis Halloween. Last chance. I love that, you, that you've done this mid-show. <laughs> My goodness. Maybe we'll do a new, uh, a new uh, giveaway for favorite review for the end of the year. Yeah, we got to figure yeah. out. We have a couple items in the uh, in the uh, artillery here, that uh, the war chest, as it were. I love that idea to to give away. Um, one of those things might be uh, a still shrink wrapped copy on vinyl of Give Way. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying things could be available. I don't know. Um, all right, so uh, before we get to our lyric of the week. Without its live companion. Oh, dear God, what, what have we done? There is a section uh, uh, of this show called What If? And uh, today's What If is What If uh, Ed never plays guitar in the band? Um, I have some thoughts, Paul. Okay. Now, you pose this question. As often you do, you're the one that comes up with the, uh, with the what ifs because I'm bad at coming up with them and you seem to have... Uh, an innumerable amount, infinite amount. Well, what ifs. yeah, I do. <laughs> I'm uh, sure you've got more up your sleeve. I got a few more. Do you, you want to start this one, or you want you want me to? Let me let me start this one because if I don't, you're going to say all the good stuff, and I'm going to be like, <laughs> and not have anything cool to say, and then that would be a real travesty. Go that would be it. that would be the true tragedy of the episode. <laughs> me talking less. Um, okay, so. Here we go. And these, this is like, this is total stream of consciousness. Um, Excellent. As is mine. Okay. So number one, the first thing I thought of is I think we miss out on some amazing songs. Of course, that's like the first and foremost, like obvious thing. So you're not going to get porch. You're not going to get better man, elderly woman, rear view mirror, corduroy, immortality, like the, right off the bat. Um, those songs are just not happening, right? And I think that's the most obvious thing I want to mention is you're not getting those songs. That's a problem for me. <laughs> that's a big problem. Now, the more complex and interesting answer or part of the answer for me is that um, it's, a, it's more of a big picture idea is that 
it is entirely possible, maybe maybe still improbable, but more possible, I think, that David Brzees never leaves the band. Now, we recently spoke to Dave, and while we didn't go in depth on the issues that he and Ed had, we can all surmise that Ed's slow takeover, for lack of a better term, as band leader, influenced the sound, the direction, and the marketing of the band on its next record, Vitalogy. And I think, while still possible, regardless of Ed's guitar playing, that Ed's ability to write songs, and good songs, as I mentioned, Songs that the other guys thought were pretty worthy of the band, and obviously Brendan O'Brien agreed, had an influence on that change in the direction of the band. Now, I th- I don't think it's a massive reason, mind you. I th- you know the lead singer of a successful group will always have influence, but when you can also write incredible songs, you've effectively doubled your leverage in saying, "I think we should do this." Obviously, it helps if the other guys in the band agree on that direction. Yeah, but think of all the songs Ed wrote music to on Vitalogy. He had a hand in, if not was the outright songwriter for nine of the 14 tracks. Nine times, nine times. Ed got a musical writing credit on two verses tracks and three 10 tracks. He basically doubled his music writing influence from record two to record three. I think if Ed either just can't play guitar or doesn't care to write music, his influence on the musical direction, while still strong as a lead singer, is muted a bit. And for that, I can see other music, possibly written by Dave, to be accepted into the mix, making his firing that much more difficult to rationalize. So now listen, it's a swing in the dark. It's a big what if. It's a big hypothetical I'm putting out there. But that's the point of this exercise. So obviously we don't get a ton of classic songs and the musical direction of the band would be vastly different. I mean, just look at all the music writing credits he had since Vitalogy. I mean, there's so many classic ladder catalog music that revolves around his musical approach. Um, you got Unthought Known, you've got The End, Just Breathe. There's there's a number of songs. Um, those are all just off that one record, for Christ's sake. I mean, okay. whether you like that is up to you, but it stands to reason that there's plenty of music that stands the test of time and has proven that Ed is one of Rock's great elder statesmen. He didn't just pump out some good lyrics 30 years ago. He had more to offer. So if he couldn't have written those things or he didn't write those things, I think there is a non-zero chance that Dave is still around, at least past that point. Now, whether they could have continued is a whole other story past maybe a few more years. But yeah, yeah, <clears throat> that's where I'm going okay. with it. What do you think? You, you, you have some some great points. Um, How am I wrong? I think, uh, no, I, I don't think you are. On, uh, well, okay. One area where I would uh, I would have to beg to differ is I don't necessarily think that Ed playing guitar uh, was the definitive severing of no? It was not. I didn't say definitive. Yeah. I didn't say definitive. But w- what I will say is, I, I think you know, Dave said something like after after hearing Dave Cruson play with Candlebox, after hearing Jack play with um, with the band after he was gone, yeah, that it led him to the to, to start thinking like maybe I just wasn't what they wanted, right? <clears throat> so I think that. That conclusion perhaps was inevitable. And I mean, obviously, I think Vitology shakes out differently. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. although I don't know how differently, Dave alludes to this uh, this cassette that he has of of an album that he felt was a, you know a very different um, imagine or or, or um, imagining of that record or or manifestation of those songs. But when I when I go to PearlJamOnline.it and look at the recording sessions. I don't see anything new there other than hard to imagine. So I don't know if, if it's like a sequencing issue and then some of the stuff that probably casual fans, too. maybe the mixing, some of the things that maybe uh, fans talked about as filler, obviously perhaps weren't included, but um, which of course I don't think that content was all filler, but not, not everyone agrees with me there. Uh, what I would say is this. <clears throat> I think that um, Eddie Vedder would have a very different solo career if all that content oh, wasn't yeah, of course. 
You know what I mean? I think that he would be perhaps viewed as an even bigger solo artist than he is because a lot of that material would have been showcased more on, on those kinds of records. Um, you know, I, I could see a song like Better Man just being massive and Eddie Vedder, perhaps, I wouldn't say he would eclipse Pearl Jam as a band, but I could see that his his star itself would have begun to shine at least close to as brightly as the band's um, because there is so much great music that's just written by him. And I think that the band is lucky to be able to showcase the musical talents of all of these guys. And I think because he does play guitar, it has catapulted the band, at least for me, closer to that place where the Beatles occupy. Not in the sense that people will look back a hundred years from now and say, Pearl Jam should be included into the pantheon uh, of, you know, top band or greatest band of all time with the Beatles. But what made the Beatles unique was that every one of them was a, a fantastic musician and contributed to the songwriting process, musically speaking. Yeah. Not just, you know, it's not like John just sang or Paul just sang. Uh, and obviously Eddie's the only real singer in the band. It's not like we have Paul and John with, with the Beatles, but uh, I think a band like Led Zeppelin where plant basically just sang is something that we oftentimes associate Pearl Jam with without recognizing that, no, hold on a sec. Eddie is contributing musically in ways that plant never did. Um, or at least certainly not on that level. So I would say that Eddie Vedder playing, not playing guitar would severely dampen the um the creative heights that the band has achieved over the years since <clears throat> since he opted to do so and i think that <clears throat> the band ultimately has changed a lot because he started to do that but at the same time i think that the music has evolved in ways that have allowed them to persist and sustain themselves so in a lot of ways you know one would argue that Eddie Vedder playing guitar um, was both the cause of what may have been some of the most turbulent, not, I wouldn't say the, the singular cause, but a contributing factor to what was arguably one of the more turbulent eras in the band's history, but also perhaps one of its saving graces. I think you're right. I think that if he doesn't play guitar and the onus is still on Primarily Jeff and Stone, with a sprinkling of of uh, of Mike and whoever the drummer would, if it, if it still would have been, you know, the Jack and then Matt um, uh, timeline. Yeah, there there is there is kind of an element of this stool only has two legs kind of thing. Yeah, you know, where at a certain point, you know, if the best Jeff and Stone we were getting later on are the songs that made the record. Well, what's filling the rest of it? Is it are the B sides that we got the best that they had to offer, or 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 would the absence of Ed as a songwriter have spurred them to do more things that we would really like? It's hard to know. Or, or does Eddie leave the band? I mean, I think of a band like Fuel, where Brett Scallions. I mean, I don't want to speak for Brett; never had the chance to interview him, but I mean, he's he's kind of intimated this idea that there was some creative differences with him and Carl Bell, and you see what what had been a very successful band in the, the post grunge era, and it just you know, despite having very very successful records, just started to fall apart when that you know those kinds of things happened, and then suddenly you saw you know Brett taking a bigger musical uh stand or, or, or playing a bigger musical role in, in, in the, the other music he continued to make. And I mean I I, I would argue that, that neither feel more no. neither worked. Like they worked well together. And then the, you know what I mean? So I, I wonder if Pearl Jam would not have survived another album or two if Eddie Vedder had been not allowed to play guitar. Yeah. I mean again, those of you yelling at us right now saying how could you compare Carl Bell and Brett Scallions oh, well, to Stone I mean, and Eddie. Is, I understand your point. Well taken. Just citing an example the of a band. That, is, yes, know. exactly. The point is that um, a house divided cannot stand, and there's there's reasons mm. why that symbiosis has continued to flourish and grow and evolve in really great ways. So, if it was left to Stone and Jeff to carry the load, and uh. let's say Ed walked away. Would Ed have had a good career if he couldn't play guitar or if he didn't play guitar or maybe he did play guitar, but he never did it in the band. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe he is. We'll never know, good but isn't that the fun his... of this exercise, Jason? Oh man. 
we could we could go on and on and on. But you know that that's that's enough, I think, to kind of get the juices flowing for the internet yeah. for our friends out there. Um, yeah, I, I want to know what you guys think. Is there is this a silly exercise, or is this the kind of thing that makes you go, yeah, I, I want what what would happen? Oh, yeah, what happens if Ed doesn't play guitar? Hmm. Hmm. Well, while you ruminate on that, we're going to move on to our lyric of the week. So lyric of the week this week, it comes from Gigaton, and it's comes then goes. Where you been? Can I find a glimpse of my friend? Don't know where or when one of us left. The other behind Divisions came and troubles multiplied Incisions made by scalpel blades of time So Comes Then Goes, Paul, a, a track that lyrically we both find to be absolutely stunning uh this uh we've we've landed on i believe this is the second verse of like five or six verses all of which i find to be tremendous yeah this one i've always liked maybe a tad bit more than some of the others it's really really cool what do, what do you got for this one uh well it's it's a song that i think i had a hard time with when i first heard it because i i was waiting for the band to come in and they never do and it's mm-hmm. just that the length of the song frustrated me because I was waiting and waiting and the longer the song went on without them coming in, the more unfulfilled it felt. <clears throat> but I'm used to that with Pearl Jam. You know, you get songs like of the girl and, and other tracks that, you know, can, can grow on and they kind of like tease you with, with the chorus that never comes or whatever. So I think that I've come to accept and appreciate this composition for what it is. I still maintain that you know, I would love to hear what this sounds like with the band behind it one day. Um, and who knows, maybe, you know, we hear it and we're just like, yeah, you know what? I can see now why they weren't there. Uh, or, you know, per, per Brendan O'Brien, um, you know, with sleeping by myself, it might be, no, this is a Pearl Jam song and, and the, the rest of the guys should be on it too. We'll never know. But, um, these are some of these finest lyrics and, uh, you know, if Eddie Vedder left the band or the band decided to retire, I, I think that we could confidently say that, Eddie, at least in his songwriting, um, had reached his pinnacle, uh, the apex of of his his songwriting with this particular track. The the, the, the lyrics are absolutely it's a bold statement, beautiful Paul. and profound. Well, I mean, it's 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 hard to top some of the stuff that that comes out of this song. Um, and there's some stuff that has come close and perhaps even even reached similar heights. But uh, you know, dare I say, I have I can't think of a set of lyrics through the catalog that far supersedes what we get out of this song. You know, you can argue, oh, I think this one's a little better. These lyrics are, you know, kind of nudge ahead. But I mean, can you really think of a refrain or a verse or a chorus where you say, man, like th- that just blows, comes, then goes out of the water. I, I, you know, I don't know. So this is at the level. It's at that level. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? So, uh, you know, we're not going <clears> to <throat> overanalyze the the depth of it. And I think we, we've all kind of talked ad nauseum about Eddie and, and his relationship with Chris and or, or his his brother and, and you know whoever you want to believe the song's about but ultimately it's it's just the sadness that comes from you know wishing that you could just share another moment with someone and you can't and you're kind of stuck in this this weird place uh, but it's the imagery here that I think is where the song really shines because sometimes Eddie will sneak in one or two of those but I think this song has a lot more um you know images of angels in the snow uh, divisions came and troubles multiplied incisions made by scalpel blades of time. Uh, I just, the imagery here, it, number one, I think what separates it is it, it is, especially when you think of, of buckle up and some of the other songs on the album, it's so complimentary to the album as a whole that it doesn't feel like a song siloed. So when I look at Eddie's lyrics here, I'm able to appreciate them within the context of the of the album as a whole. And I think that to me is what helps elevate these particular lyrics. But they're just fantastic lyrics. I mean, they're they're incredibly poetic and profound. And I feel like I'm going in circles with my compliments here. So I'm just going to kind of leave it at that. Well, like I said, uh, I, I love this whole song, but but this particular verse is interesting because 
it it speaks about friendships or even even relatives whom we've lost touch with but still hold close yeah you know they're the kinds of people who when we finally see after months or maybe even years apart will pick right back up where we left off you know while while back on the east coast of the US um last weekend i saw a friend i hadn't seen in a couple of years a friend from college and uh Every time I see him, even though we don't talk very much on text or phone calls or anything, we just pick right back up or right er, er, like set up punchline, set up punchline. Everything we say, we we were like right back in the swing of how we were when we we lived together in in college. Yeah. It's those kinds of connections that are just so special. It's, it's, It's such a bummer that our lives don't allow us to connect more often in a meaningful way. I, listen, everyone is busy. Everyone has work and family and travel and whatever. It's no one's fault. Life happens. You know, you, you pick your head up and it's bang. It's been six months, maybe six years. But there's just something really gratifying about the relationships that retain their strength despite absence. And, and those, strangely, are the ones that probably hit the hardest when one of them finally passes on which is why this stanza is important to uh, what we assume is, as you said, a song honoring Ed's great friend, Chris. And in a song where he, as you said, in a song where he is just so poetic and and the imagery is, you can see, it's it's not those metaphors that are like, that is so coded and complex. What the, I mean... God bless Jeff, but Jeff would would not, would not write this because while Jeff is poetic, he gets under layers of metaphor that like, how do you, what is he saying? I still know what Ed is saying here, but he just paints the picture and describes it all in one way. Like Bob Ross teaching you how to paint a bush. Like it's, it's (laughs) fucking beautiful. And I just... I know the song is long. I know some of y'all, including you, Paul, at least for a while, wish there was more than just really weird little faint distortion feedback swells uh, towards the end. Like there's an actual band involved in some way. I get it. But at the same time, there's a fullness to the guitars and there is a there's just a beauty. This this song, I know it's six minutes long. It never feels that long to me. It never feels that long because I'm always anticipating and, and aching for the next set of lyrics because they're that friggin' good. And yeah. listen, you said it's it's at it's up there, and I yeah I agree. It's at that level. I don't, it's hard to top this one. And listen, guys, I, I I know they haven't played it live, and they may not ever. And so there's obviously no live cut of the week. But we had this main segment here and uh, I had, you know, my grandma on my mind and we both Paul and I love the lyrics of this song so much. We couldn't pass up a chance to wax poetic on this beautiful song. So, I mean, I, I think we'll get we go back one, and go ahead. I think, I think we'll get it live one day. You do somewhere, somehow, even if it's just Eddie, at a club one day, like you know, we did with Ark. I don't know. I, I really thought that there'd be a good chance he would have busted it out at those two Ben Arroyo shows a week or two ago in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, those two solo shows, but he didn't. He did play the end, which is pretty cool. But uh, and he had a. He, here's the thing: as you were talking about it, it made me think of we may not ever get a full band performance of this, but we may get a version of it with an orchestra. Oh, that'd be beautiful. And he had some instruments around him in Seattle last week. Um, and so that could have been the chance and it didn't happen. And I'm a little bummed by it, but listen, yeah. it's such a powerful strong song and it's obviously very important to him. And there's, it's, it's loud how silent it's live performances are. <laughs> and yeah. uh, everyone is aware of it. And I think uh, if they ever did bring it out, it'd be amazing and met with great applause. Yes, no doubt. Well, there you go, guys. That's the episode this week. Um, we hope you have an enjoyable Halloween and first week of November. We're getting into the business end of the year, 2023. We've got a lot of really cool um, 
chats coming up. We've got um, some really cool stuff at the end of the year planned for you. And um, if you haven't listened to the interview with Dave Eberzis, how how have you not listened to that already? <laughs> Go do that. And um, Paul, there's you know next week we're talking. Oh, to somebody I'm excited else. about next um, week. <laughs> I'll put it this way: it, it's a bucket list for Paul. How about that? <laughs> we do we, we do a show each week, and this one won't be far behind it. Um, mm. So let that sink in, and. Uh, <laughs> We'll be with you next week for another interesting and uh, very exciting chat, for at least from Paul's perspective. And until we do, you've been listening to The State of Love and Trust. Love and Trust.